we live forever and ever in Jesus' name. I, I will invite your attention this morning to the book of Isaiah and uh, the 61st chapter, the book of Isaiah chapter 61. And I want to read just a few verses of scripture here in your hearing. The word of the Lord says this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And then if you just look at what Jesus or what, what the prophet is saying, Jesus ends up repeating it later. But, but notice what the prophet is saying. And just if you'll take in the beauty of what is being said in this passage. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Praise God. Such a beautiful passage, and there are so many things that we could take from this text, but I would like to concentrate our attention this morning on the on the statement in the first verse that simply says he hath sent me to bind up the broken hearted and I feel led of the Lord to preach this morning on this subject binding up the broken hearted could we lift up our voice and ask God to bless his word as it goes forth today Lord I pray for a special anointing both upon your messenger and upon your people today as your word goes forth God I pray you'll allow it to do what it is intended to do, to heal and to deliver, to set free. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that each and every one of us would, would sit together in heavenly places in your precious name. God, we submit ourselves to your word, asking you to do a work in our lives, Lord. Let us never be the same, but let us grow in grace today, we pray. In Jesus' name, and the church said, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus was preparing to do something that was quite significant. He was about to announce to the world that the role of Messiah was filled and underway. This was a long-awaited promise, a long-awaited fulfillment of ancient prophecies. So many prophecies had come forth. Not only were these prophecies uttered, but they were also lived out in the lives of so many people who, who were living life, going through their daily routines and the whole time because they were in covenant with the Lord. Their very life was serving as an example to everyone that there is a Messiah coming. And Messiah would bring hope and he would bring peace 
and he would bring joy and he would he would remove the bondage of death that the world had come to be so familiar with and here Jesus in Luke chapter 4 sits and waits for the opportunity to stand up and announce that that time has come and as he's preparing to do so and finally does stand to the occasion he takes the ancient scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he unfolds this scroll and he begins to read and it it seemed like a normal day at the synagogue but he begins to read and he says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, he hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book. And when he closed the book, all eyes are looking at him because they expected him to keep on reading. But he closed the book and said, This day, is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? You, you and I can only imagine, it's hard to fathom the, the, the mix of emotion that filled that room. No one had ever made such a claim. And no one had ever lived the kind of life that checked all the boxes connected to messianic prophecy but he was born in Bethlehem of a virgin named Mary hallelujah the angels announced his arrival he had lived a life free of sin and free of iniquity and he arrives at this place having been baptized by John in the Jordan River and explaining and exclaiming to anybody who would listen, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And I want to, I want to just kind of focus our attention to this statement. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted because that is indeed the great malady of the human condition, brokenheartedness. And it is the great disability, if you please, of our society and culture today. Even in our individual lives, it is the broken heart that we struggle with the most. There are so many reasons why it is important that our hearts are healed. There is significance associated with the heart. The Bible says this, Jesus was asked the question, what is the great commandment? And I don't know if they expected him to be stumped by that question, like maybe he would have to search the Rolodex of his mind and think in terms of, well, that's a good question. Let me give some thought to that, because how do you prioritize what is the greatest of all commandments? How do you prioritize among some really good ones? Not killing, that's a good thing. Not stealing, that's a good thing. Not committing adultery, that's a good thing. So how do, you, how, do you, how do you really weigh and consider all of the great commandments? But Jesus didn't hesitate. 
He didn't have to weigh his thoughts. He didn't have to consider the options. He simply said it because he is the author of the law. And he simply spoke to it and said, here is the greatest commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And him only shall you serve. And hear what he said next. He said, you shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. And he said, the second is like unto the first. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But when he said to them, you shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart mind soul and strength and you shall love your neighbor as yourself he knew what he was talking about he explained to them that if you can get these commands then all of the other commands you will have kept because every single command in the word of the lord falls into one of two categories loving god with everything you have or loving your neighbor as yourself and in order to Keep the commands. You must be able to keep these two commands. But this is a tall order. In fact, it's an impossible task to love the Lord with all of your heart and with all of your mind and all of your soul and all of your strength. It is literally impossible for any one person to achieve this monumental goal of loving God with all of your heart. How do I even, how, how do I even harness all of my heart? Especially when you consider the fact that every one of us has had our heart to be broken before. You can't do things with a broken heart that involve a wholehearted effort. To provide a wholehearted effort to anything it is impossible to do it when the heart itself is broken. Maybe one half of the heart will respond, but the other half has been severed from the wholeness of the heart. It becomes impossible. You have met people, and maybe you yourself have been a person who has suffered from the symptoms of brokenheartedness. Brokenheartedness manifests itself in so many different ways. One of the ways that it manifests itself is in the area of a half-hearted effort. You've heard people say, you got to put all your heart into it. You're only giving it a half-hearted effort. Well, there's a reason why we give half-hearted efforts, because our heart is broken somewhere. We don't know how to put our whole heart into something. So there are half-hearted efforts. You've heard the statement from the Scriptures that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Double-mindedness comes from broken-heartedness. Double-mindedness is a result of somebody's heart that doesn't function quite right. The heart is not meant to be broken down into various categories where you love here but you hate there and and you and you you love your job but you but you neglect your family and and you love your, your, your career, but you, but you neglect your spouse. That's, that's, not how the, that's not how the heart is supposed to work. The heart is supposed to be whole. The heart is supposed to be healed. The heart is supposed to be firing on all cylinders. All chambers of the heart are supposed to be clean and moving in the right direction. 
But when a broken heart exists, the heart becomes dysfunctional and becomes deformed and unable to accomplish a wholehearted effort. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So the mouth begins to express what's going on on the inside of the heart. That's why they say you can fool some of the people all of the time and you can fool all of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all of the people all of the time. Because one way or another, and somewhere down the road, your mouth is going to give away what's inside of your heart. You mark it down. You can be as polished as you want to be, but somewhere it's going to come out of your mouth what's really going on on the inside of your heart. So you've met people who, who talk out of both sides of their mouth. They talk out of both sides of their mouth because their heart is speaking two different things. It's a broken heart. You've met people who are double-tongued. Maybe you yourself have been double-tongued. And, and, and what you mean is you'll say this here and that there. You'll, you'll, you'll make this claim when you're in this company and make a different claim when you're in another company. That's because the heart has been broken somewhere. And you're trying to guard in vain your heart from being broken again. You've heard of people who are two-faced. Two-faced people are broken-hearted people. These are people that have somewhere the heart stopped working on one side, one place or another. Sometime in their life there was a laceration that left their heart incapable of producing a wholehearted effort. We even refer to sometimes uh, the condition of being hard-hearted. Infamously, Pharaoh was hardened in his heart. Hard-heartedness comes from broken-heartedness. Maybe you've even called somebody cold-hearted. They're cold-hearted. That's a reference to death. That's a reference to the death of feeling. That's a reference to the, the paralysis of compassion. That somewhere they died. Somewhere that feeling compassionate and, and loving side of them, it died along the way and they are no longer able to have a, a warm heart. See, you, you like warm-hearted people. How many like warm-hearted people? And, and, and we have probably just the opposite reaction to the cold-hearted person. The warm-hearted reference is a reference to life. It's a reference to blood flowing. It's a reference to breath happening. It's, it's a reference to the living heart, whereas the cold heart is referring to a heart that has died somewhere along the way. But it doesn't matter what the situation was. It doesn't matter, ladies and gentlemen, if you're cold-hearted, hard-hearted, half-hearted, if you're two-faced, double-tongued, double-minded, it doesn't matter what the situation is. I've come to preach to you that Jesus Christ is here to bind up the broken heart. I said, Jesus Christ is here to bind up the brokenhearted. He specializes in binding up the brokenhearted. I remember sitting down with a man, a good man, who, who was so kind and, and so humble. And, and you, you really would have never dreamed that he ever had a, a situation as he was about to explain to me and express. But he began to express to me, he said, I have a, I have a situation in my past that I have never been able to get over. He was well up in years by this point, and he began to speak of a circumstance that occurred when he was 11 years old. He said that his mother had, 
entrusted to him the care of his three-year-old brother. She had to go into town to pick up some groceries. And he, she said to him, she said, I need you to watch your three-year-old brother. He said, Mom, I don't want to watch my brother. He's, he's, he's going to mess my whole plan up. I was going to go down and play basketball with the guys and, and, uh, and just go down to the park and have some fun today. And she said, I need you to do this for me. I have to go into town. I have to get groceries. But but I need you. I can't do it unless you watch your brother. And so he did begrudgingly, but he didn't really watch him. He said, you know what? He'll have to take care of himself because this is messing up my plans. So he played basketball. He was 11 years old and his, his little brother was three years old. And he saw him wandering around the court and going down into the field and out into the grass and over into the woods. And every once in a while he'd glance over and make sure he was all right. And he didn't see him one time, but that's all right. It's a big area. He'll be fine. And all of a sudden, there was the sound of the train that was familiar to everybody there on the basketball court. But, but then the unfamiliar sound of the train coming to a screeching halt. It struck a nerve with him. It, it awakened something in him. It alarmed him. And he thought, where's my brother? He ran to where the train was and he found his brother mangled under the train. He died that day. He told me, he said, Brother Urshan, he said, half of my heart shattered in pieces when I saw what happened to my little brother. And, and I knew, like nobody else knew, the role I played by not being there as my mother had instructed me. He said, I dreaded when my mother would get to the scene because I was responsible for the death of my little brother. And my mother, when she came to the scene, collapsed. She went into total shock and silence. She didn't emerge from that for, for some time. He said, as a matter of fact, she never recovered. He said, her heart shattered into a million pieces. He said, when her heart shattered, the other half of my heart just died. I knew what I had done to my brother, and then I knew what I had done to my mother. I was 11 years old, and I've never, ever, not to this day, have I been able to forgive myself for what happened on that day. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you don't know what people have faced in their life. And you don't know what haunts them at night. And you don't know what kind of condemnation they struggle with. You, you don't understand what broke their heart and, and maybe why they suffer and struggle. And maybe why they're irritable at times. And maybe why they cower and why they run. But, but Jesus said, I have come. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath anointed anointed me to set at liberty them that are bruised. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach deliverance to the captive and yes, to bind up the brokenhearted. Hallelujah. Here's what you have to understand about Jesus. He is the heart specialist. The kind of heart that I'm preaching to you about this morning. You can't find it on an ultrasound. You can Google heart specialist all you want. Go ahead and try. Heart specialist, Cincinnati, Ohio. And it'll direct you to some really smart people who can do a lot of really good work. But they can't help you with the kind of heart that I'm talking to you about this morning. It doesn't show up in an echocardiogram. It, it doesn't appear. 
appear on an ultrasound. An MRI cannot detect what is wrong with this heart. It is an intangible. It is an invisible thing. You can't even put your hands around the kind of heart that I've come to preach to you about today. Hear what I'm telling you. If you're here with a broken heart, you can't fix your broken heart. You can't see it. You can't touch it. You can't find it. And nobody else in this building with their natural mind can do it for you. Oh, but I remember a day when Jesus stood up in the synagogue and opened up an ancient scroll and said, when Isaiah said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he had sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. I want every demoniac to hear me. This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. I want every woman with an issue of blood to hear me. This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. I want every Roman centurion who has a servant sick at home to hear me. This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. <laughs> he has come to put his hands, hallelujah, around what is broken in your mind. He has come to put his hands around what is broken in your spirit. See, you don't even know, you don't even know where to go to fix the brokenness of your heart because you don't even know where it broke. It broke before you were even cognizant that it was breaking. You, you didn't even know, but when you were four years old, there was some kind of an offense that hit you with a blunt force and a chip of your heart went flying and then again when you were seven years old there was a, a swiping laceration of your heart and another piece of your heart fell on the ground maybe it fell on the playground of the school dealing with a bully maybe it fell upon the living room of your floor the floor of your childhood home when some well-meaning individual said something callously that hurt callously that wounded because they were having a bad day and it broke your heart and pieces and chips invisible pieces invisible chips of your heart are flying and it's whittling away at the heart that God put inside of you scripture says that I've come to take the stony heart out of your flesh and I've come to give you the heart of flesh. It's one of the few times in the scripture that the Bible refers to flesh in a positive connotation. Normally it's dealing with the weakness of this human frailty and flesh. But the Bible says, I'm going to give you the heart of flesh. When it talks about the heart of flesh, he's telling you, I'm going to give you the heart you were always supposed to have. See, the fact that it's a stony heart means that it's a hard heart. And where a heart becomes hardened is when the heart tries to fix itself. See, see, your body is an amazing thing. Did you know that when your body becomes wounded, it will immediately start trying to heal itself? That's a lesson in the body of Christ. Because when the body of Christ becomes wounded, the body of Christ has agency within it that will begin healing immediately. There, oh, hallelujah. 
Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. There are antibodies in the body that will fight infection. Hallelujah. There are cells in the body. And you know where you're going to find them? You're going to find them in the blood. I've come to remind somebody that there's power in the blood. Power in the blood. What kind of power, you may ask? I'll tell you what kind of power. Wonder-working power in the blood. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Would you or evil of victory win? There's power in the blood. Hallelujah. And your heart will try to heal itself. But listen, the unregenerated soul, the fallen nature of man doesn't know how to heal itself. And so the heart begins to try immediately to heal itself. But it heals itself the wrong way. And it leaves scar tissue. And that scar tissue starts to build and it becomes hard and your heart hardens and all of a sudden the heart that used to trust doesn't trust anymore and the heart that used to love stops loving like it once loved and, and the heart that used to be kind and compassionate starts to hold back its kindness and its compassion for fear that it will be broken again for fear that it will be lacerated again and so the heart begins to harden God said I'm going to deal with that stony heart I'm going to take that stony heart that hard heart out of you and I'm going to put a heart of flesh inside of you in other words I'm going to remove all the scar tissue I'm going to remove all the hardness all the calluses that have developed over time I'm going to remove the pain oh, I'm going to take away the pain that's why you can look at somebody across the way here and they've got the worst kind of background you can imagine they've been through stuff you can't even imagine the kind of things they've been through and the kind of problems they faced but they stand here today with open heart loving whosoever will with hands uplifted eyes on the prize saying he's worthy to be praised I'll tell you what happened God took the hardness out of their heart and he replaced it with the heart they were always supposed to have You see it in the life of Naaman, the, the, the captain of the host of Syria, when he had leprosy covering his body. And Elisha said, go dip seven times in the Jordan River. When he went to dip seven times in the Jordan River, this leprous man is in the Jordan River. Six times he went down into that water. And six times he came up with nothing happening of any positive nature. But he was obedient. And he went down the seventh time. When he came up the seventh time I want you to know the Bible said he had the flesh of a child he didn't just have the leprosy removed his his whole body was restored to what it was before there ever was leprosy in his body his body was restored to before he ever had a blemish to before he ever had acne to before he ever had a scar to before he ever had a pain his flesh was restored to that of a child. God is going to do that for somebody today. He's going to take you back to before you were betrayed. To before your trust was broken. To before you were violated and wounded. Before you were hated. There's somebody in the house of God that knows that what I'm preaching is true. That if you give it all to Jesus, Jesus will take care of you.
even start? Where do I even start, Brother Joel? I don't even know where to start. I can't find him. He's going he's gonna to pick up the pieces. You, you, you don't even know. Not only do you not know where the pieces went, you could go back to where you know your heart broke, and you could look for the piece, but you couldn't find it because it's invisible to you. It's not a tangible heart. It's an intangible heart. You can go look upon the mulch of that playground under the swings and near the slide, but you'll never be able to find that piece of your invisible heart. That broke when you were six, when you were eight. You'll never be able to go back to that day when you were 14 and try to pick up that broken piece of your heart. You'll never be able to go back to your first year of marriage and pick up those broken, shattered pieces that are broken and, and laying around the living room of that house. You'll never be able to go back to that courtroom. You'll never be able to go back to that hospital room. Search it if you must, but you'll never find those invisible, broken pieces. But there is one, there is one who can go back to every place your heart was ever broken. And he can pick up the invisible pieces. He sees them and he knows where they are. And he'll scoop them up in his hand. He'll pick up every chip. I said he'll pick up every chip. Hallelujah. You know. You know, if my coffee mug drops and the handle breaks off, I might be able to fix that, Pastor. Just take some Gorilla Glue and just hold it. I'll just hold it. I'll just hold it for a long time. Ooh, there's somebody here today that needs to just hold it. Hallelujah. I feel like quitting. Hold it. I feel like turning around. Hold it. I feel like I can't make. Hold it. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. Come on, somebody. Hold it together. Hold it together. Hold it together. Uh, my God. I feel like God is putting his hands around somebody and he's just holding you. Sometimes that's not comfortable. Sometimes you feel like wiggling free. Don't wiggle free. Let him hold you. Because when he gets done, you're going to be whole. You're going to be fixed. But I might be able to put some Holy Ghost Gorilla Glue on it. Come to church and I can hold it together. You know that smile that hurts to smile? You might be able to hold it together. But where it gets difficult is when the coffee mug drops and it's not the handle that breaks off, the whole thing just shatters. And shards of glass and, 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 and powder. And little, little jagged edges and pieces that are literally in a million pieces now. And they're under the refrigerator and they're under the stove and they're under the table. And, and you don't even know where to start to put this mug back together. Oh, but Jesus said, I am come to bind it up. I am come to put it back together. 
I can hear the prophet Jeremiah say, I went down to the potter's house to watch the potter work his work upon the wheel. Hallelujah. And when the vessel began to mar in his hand, he just began to work that thing into a new vessel. I want you to know God knows where every shard of glass has gone. I want you to know God understands where every broken piece of your life has gone and is scooping it up. If you'll let him, he'll scoop it up. He'll pull it all back. He'll sanctify every memory. He'll cleanse every thought. He'll cast out every fear and he'll put your heart back together. Hallelujah. If you believe it, lift your hands to him all across this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, if you believe it, lift up your hand and say, God, I need you to bind up my broken heart. I need you to fix my broken spirit. I need you to fix my broken heart, oh Lord. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. God's getting ready to take the fake smile. And he's going to put a genuine joy down in your soul. You may have never believed you could ever have joy again. Get ready. Because joy is coming. Weeping may have endured for the night. But joy. But joy. But joy. Oh, but joy. What kind of joy? Unspeakable joy. And full of glory is coming in the morning. Unspeakable joy. Ha, hallelujah. Ha, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want everybody that's ever had a broken heart, I want you to stand with me right now. All across this house. Come on, if you've ever had a broken heart. You know, I don't want anybody to be put on the spot today, so we're going to do it like this. I want two different people to come at the same time. I want those whose heart has been put back together. And I want those who need their heart put back together. I want you both to come right now. Come on, come right now. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Because he has come to bind up the brokenhearted. He has come. He has come to preach deliverance to the captive. He has come to set at liberty them that are bruised. He's getting ready to heal things you never dreamed could be healed. He's getting ready to give closure to things you never dreamed you could have closure about. Come on all across this building in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Release it to God right now. That's it. Release it to the Lord. In Jesus name. Release it to the Lord. In Jesus name. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, that's it, that's it. The Holy Ghost is in this place. The Holy Ghost is in this place. Woo! Yes, yes, the Holy Ghost is in this place. 
Ah, hallelujah, hallelujah. No, no, no. No, listen, God, God is going to heal your heart. Don't wait for him to fix the circumstances. Let him heal your heart. You're going to have a whole heart whether the circumstances ever become what you want them to become or not. You are going to have a whole heart. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Ah, Lord. Ah, my God. How do I give God my heart just like that? Give it to him. Say it with your mouth. Lord, I give you my heart. Lord, I don't know how to do this. It's invisible. I give it to you. Lord, give me the strength to turn from my sin. Give me the strength to turn from the things that keep breaking my spirit. 